Welcome to Stories in the Dark, a podcast about strange and creepy things. Come listen to the dark. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final episode of Season 1. This week's episode is called The Neighbors, and as I'm sure you can imagine, Something bad happens to someone. And also, dear listeners, while we are on hiatus, please catch up on our podcast if you've missed any previous episodes or catch up on your sleep. You might need it for when we return on Christmas with a very special episode, you might never sleep again. And don't forget to check out the podcast, Scare You to Sleep. Shelby's voice will tell you the worst horror stories, but in the most soothing way. I think you'll enjoy it while we're gone. But don't worry, we'll come back for you. And now, the neighbors. The upstairs neighbors moved out last week, and I'm glad. They weren't the bring you cake and borrow some sugar kind of neighbors. They weren't the barbecue by the pool pick up each other's kids type either. They were the loud music all night, 3 a.m. screaming fight kind of neighbors, the smoke alarm neighbors, the constant screech setting off the whole building so you had to go downstairs in your pajamas till it stopped while they hung out on their balcony and smoked and drank and watched you. The stomping on the floor, rattling your ceiling, TV at the highest volume kind of neighbors, and they are finally gone. We heard them moving out, and we smiled at each other. Then we heard them moving out again and again. Have they really gone, I asked. My husband said he saw their moving truck the day before. Last minute things, probably, he said. And so we hoped. The weekend came, and still we heard noises upstairs. Move out cleaning, my husband assured me. Surely they will stop soon, I thought. And maybe it did sound like vacuuming. But no, on Monday I was working from home, catching up on paperwork and PowerPoints, and my husband was at the office. I heard even more noises than before. I texted my husband. He answered after a while. Probably refreshing the apartment, he said new carpet and whatnot. And maybe cabinets too, I thought, 
for I could hear it louder now, as if cabinets were being ripped out and hammered back in. The sounds stopped after that. This morning, I ran into the apartment manager out by the dog park. When are the new neighbors coming, I asked, hoping the new silence upstairs might last a while. She looked at me oddly. You know, the upstairs unit, will it be filled soon? But then her phone rang and she answered it, giving me the look of one who isn't sure she wants to continue the conversation. A polite smile and a what-can-you-do shrug as she answered. That sat strangely with me, I must admit. We'd always gotten along with the apartment management. We don't complain, and no one complains about us. I mean, of course they don't. We are so very quiet, my husband and I. You would hardly know we are there. A stain is starting to spread on our ceiling. I stare at it at night after dinner while my husband clears away the dishes. Three days go by and it takes up half the living room ceiling, the off-white paint looking sickly and gray. I imagine the stain looks like a cow or a cloud or a shroud. Should we call the apartment manager, darling, or maintenance? I ask on the fourth day. Not quite yet, my love, my husband replies, handing me my spiced cocoa, for it is cold now, early December, and the spices help keep me warm. We bring in the tree, and the green pine smell fills our apartment and the twinkling lights and sparkling wrapping paper distract me from the stain. They help cover the smell, too, for there is a bit of an odor. Perhaps we should go look upstairs, I say. Perhaps they left something behind, and no one has gone in in quite a while. I wonder that no one has moved in. Housing is very tight here, and apartments don't go empty for long. Not yet, my sweet wife, my husband says, and strokes my hair. I'm sure it's fine. I worry, though. I worry they have perhaps left a cat, a hamster, some small pet, not a dog whose barking we would have heard, but something quiet and small, some silent death alone up there. But my husband tells me not to worry so much, and he is always right. So I look at the presents under the tree and drink more spiced cocoa. It makes me warm and sleepy and happy, and I doze off, wondering what my husband has gotten me for Christmas. I have his presents all ready, too. We have planned a trip for the holidays, as is our habit, an escape to warmer shores in the dead of winter, 
where we can warm our skin with the sun and walk with the sand in our toes and the smell of coconut fills the air. The night before we leave, we exchange our presence and enjoy our last evening in the cold and the snow and with the piney tree shedding needles everywhere. His presents for me are all oddly shaped and sparkly in bright red with glittery silver reindeer. Mine, for him, are wrapped in black and gray with snowflakes stenciled on the paper. He loves the classic colors. We are both very old-fashioned, you see. I open mine first, a square one. It is heavy. My husband sips his brandy and looks very pleased with himself as I open it. First, the wrapping, and then the heavy tape. He does love to make it difficult for me. There are heavy packs inside, cold to the touch. I remove those and set them aside, and then I see what is in the box. My husband's present to me this year for Christmas. It is the severed head of the upstairs neighbor, staring at me, mouth agape, as stupid-looking in death as he'd been in life. I drop the box and shriek in delight as my husband begins to laugh somewhat madly, his strange and terrible laugh. All of my presents are like this, pieces and parts of those very annoying neighbors, but only the limbs and their heads. My husband is very proud of himself and I do not let him know that I had started to suspect his surprise. Little secrets like this are how you keep a marriage alive. What of the, you know, and I wave vaguely at my own midsection. He knows I do not like that part. I never like the messy bits. I left them up there in the walls and in the cabinets he replies, smugly. I give him all the kisses as a reward, for he has done well this year, and then I gnaw on some finger bones while he opens his presents. I mentioned that he likes the classics, and so I have gotten him a new black robe and a new velvet dressing jacket for his has gotten a bit frayed through the years. He is delighted with them, as he is with his new boning knife ordered from Japan. But best of all, he likes his last present, the hand of a thief executed at dawn, dug up at 3 a.m. under a full moon and packed in pink. Himalayan salt. How did you find this? He asks in wonder, for hands of glory are exceedingly rare. You cannot find real ones. 
even on the blackest of black markets these days. I lean forward, practically wiggling, as I place my very cold hand on his. Darling, I did not find it. I made it myself. I found a thief through the usual means. I slit his throat last month at dawn, and I buried him in a deconsecrated old churchyard. I left him in the ground for a full cycle of the moon. And then, when she was full, I dug him up and took his hand, and voila, your very own hand of glory. My husband was quite pleased with me, and he showed it in the usual way. I might need those days in the tropics to recover from his attentions. And we are both happy with our holiday presents. For as everyone knows, handmade gifts are the best. Happy holidays, my dears. Love and kisses from Stories in the Dark. And we'll see you back here for Christmas. <laughs>